Hi, I'm Melanie Walker and this is Grounded. If gardening is your passion, this is the place to be to find out about what's happening in the gardening world. And there's a lot happening in the gardening world, that is for sure. I mean, everybody thinks spring has sprung. Sap is rising. The sap is rising. It is, definitely. It's your sap rising, Michael My sap is on fire. (laughs) <laughs> my sap is on fire I, it's just gorgeous out there I know everybody said and spring day wasn't it just the weirdest no it was cold and windy I know but that you know, I mean that was crazy how often do we have to remind people yeah. that there's this thing called snow that can happen in, in the September. second week of September yeah so everybody thinks oh it's winter's over let's get out the warm you know, but, warm uh, gear but unfortunately yeah keep your warm gear out yeah exactly available. okay but, but but I must tell you there are buds all over the place, and there are things doing crazy. I've got some amazing clivia in the garden. It's clivia time. Yeah, yeah, but everybody's going, what is going on with the clivias? Some of them have already flowered and already gone to berry. Then there's some who are looking at each other and going, hang on a second, when are we supposed to flower? And they're flowering now, and usually it is in the middle of August that they actually come into full flower, if you think about when you walk through Walter yep. Sisulu in the forest garden. Yeah, I, I was speaking to to um, Richard, one of our colleagues, the other mm. day, and and he was saying that he has definitely noticed pronounced shift mm. in the way things are working out out there. I mean, the magnolias. Did you see the magnolias were out before it even started becoming winter? Yeah, it's kind of weird. So yeah, uh, you know, the, the nicest thing for me, though, Melanie, as you know, is always to see the buds coming out and. And when all the leaves start coming out on the the deciduous trees, because it looks like they've got little green afros. And it's such a fresh feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Little green afros, I must like. But I can't (laughs) wait for the rain. And and hopefully whenever you're listening to this, it's rained by then because I'm so tired of everything being dry. Our humidity is sitting at like 8 to 10%. Speaking of which, water restrictions are definitely back back in in force. force. Yeah. Well, they never went out of force. They're just back in force. But they're back in force from from 6 to 6 now, as opposed to 8 to 4. So just so that everybody knows that and respects it, please. Yeah, well, that's in Gauteng. I don't know the rest of the country, what they've got in the way of water restrictions, but definitely Gauteng. I am the water czarina, apparently, according to some social media groups, and I'm the one who will go around telling your gardeners you are not allowed to water the road outside your house. Please do not water your driveway. It won't grow. No. That brick one. Mm-mm. I think it's shocking. No, it's absolutely awful. Uh, anyway, so so from from a pure landscaping point of view, uh, people are getting excited. I can already feel the buzz. I I get I've been getting the calls, um, and and people are excited again about their gardens and wanting us to go out there and do something about them and saying, you know, when can you come and see us and stuff. And which is what they should have been doing during winter. Jackie and I. Jackie and you. <laughs> right, so you can introduce Jackie then. How's yeah. That? So so we have a special guest here with us, um, and I'm a guest of some. I suppose at the you're moment. My, you're my co-conspirator. Come on. I'm your co-conspirator, but I, I, I miss too many shows these days. But but anyway, um, long story short, we have Jackie with us today. Jackie is somebody who's very close to me. We work very closely together in the landscaping industry. Um, we had a student mentor, if you like, relationship before, but it's become much more professional now. And I think, Jackie, you're feeling the buzz. I definitely am. It's great to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. That's okay. It's always lovely to have a, a pretty face in the go- in the in the studio as well, not I just in the garden. <laughs> Another pretty face. <laughs> Thank you, producer, for pointing that out. Sorry, Michael, I forgot you're a gorgeous face as well. Absolutely. Yeah, he's not wearing pink though, so that's when the only time I ever tell him he's gorgeous is if he's wearing pink. So you, used to, you used to tell everybody that the old ladies were standing outside the studio with their, their underwear. Yeah. 
They did. They, they queued up outside waiting for Michael to come out because he's such a sex symbol. He makes gardening really sexy. Do you find that gardening is sexy? I absolutely love gardening from beginning to end. I think there's so many sexy things about it. If you look at landscape design as a whole, and it's done correctly, I think it should ooze appeal. It should ooze... Sexiness. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It should get people excited and be wanting to go out into their gardens and enjoy the space. Absolutely. Now, that that is one of the things we talk about quite often is what what constitutes good garden design? Because we actually, Michael and I have been speaking a bit about garden design and how it pertains to various show gardens. And we will get into a little bit about what's happening with the Johannesburg International Flower Show just now. But... What really does constitute good design? Because you can have something which is very sim- simple, and then you may have something which is, you know, simple but really not well done. It might just be clashing colors or just no attention to detail, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, everyone has their own take yeah. on what is what what good design is. I mean, usually we know what bad design is. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of you, you see bad design and you say, you know, it's it's not a comfortable space to be in. It's not nice to look at. It's mm. difficult to maintain and all sorts of things. And then we start talking about bad design. So it 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 moves from the practicality. We say the the function over form to the form where the form becomes aesthetically pleasing and actually are you enjoying the space mm. and what what constitutes good design these days i guess is is living space i mean you know we've we've moved far away from from where a garden is just an aesthetic viewpoint mm. uh, to the point where it becomes a living space although when you get to the more contemporary corporate gardens you get once again to the space where people just sort of want to make a statement yeah. of some sort so but it is i mean there's yeah. this so much less money around that people are not going away on vacation. So they're having staycations, which yeah. means that money that you may have spent on going on holiday, you can actually use to improve your surroundings. It, it enhances your property value. And then you've got somewhere that you can hang out, not just over the vacation time. And let's be honest, going away at, at holiday times is really stressful. That's why I choose not to go away if I, I can help it. I prefer to stay home. If if you don't have kids, it's it's something you can do. I suppose yeah. people who have children that take on holiday and really always have that freedom of choice no, my, my children don't get no. to do that sorry they stay home but well, it's vacations and Just also the right act, Mel. there's always like winter time we, we've been speaking about bringing the outdoors in obviously because a lot of people are thinking oh, it's cold and dusty outside i don't want to go outside i'll bring my plants inside so there's been a big focus on indoor plants but now we've got to rethink it and take everything outdoors into the outdoor room I mean, it's one of the biggest pieces of property it's like the orangery at first sight that they're moving in and out. I mean, imagine. Mm. imagine. Imagine moving a whole orangery in and out. Which they do. Which they do. That's why they have the Versailles planters that are supposed to be easy to move up and Which down. I must point out, yeah. if anybody hasn't watched it, if you've got Netflix, do yourself a favor. Go and search Monty Don. Because Monty Don's got the French and Italian gardens. Three episodes in the French, four in the Italian. And that's what Michael's talking about, where you see them moving the entire orangerie. Out and in when it's time for it to come back out again because they need to put them undercover for winter. It's absolutely crazy. But that's Netflix, Monty Don. Okay, don't forget. But you, you know, we we have the biggest part of the our property is the garden space. Well, okay, some properties. Well, you know, some people have gone ridiculous and they've got a quarter of an eighth of an acre and the entire property is just a house. You, then you don't need a garden. I mean, we, you know, you do need a space, Mel. And this is the thing is. And we're starting to feel stronger and stronger about this. Is it's an international trend? You talk about the staycation; it's actually been documented as an international trend, mm. where people are saying, "Well, you know, this, the reality is the staycation is it's here to stay." 
and 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 they're creating um, nooks and things in the gardens, even for specifically um, targeted at teenagers, mm. for instance. So uh, this With is the Wi-Fi hotspot in it. Yeah, yeah, and this is this is something that we as landscapers have to look at, and it's something I, I suppose it's a new challenge for us, Jackie, in terms of saying. Well, you know, what, what, what people wanted five years ago or even two years ago is not what people want now. Mm. And people are a lot more cautious about spending their money. Uh, people want to spend money in tranches rather than in lumps. Yeah. Um, so, so the whole way we look at landscaping, I think, Jackie, is changing. It's, it's really sort well, of shifting. Yeah, Jackie, I mean, you're quite new to it. Um, I mean, you, you qualified last year? Last, well, yeah. in February. Yes. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're kind of old and jaded. We've been in this for a while. So, so I mean, from, from with fresh eyes, do you believe what Michael is saying is true? Have you seen that? I absolutely do. And I think people are seeing their gardens as a long-term project and we get to partner with them in that project ongoing basis. So we get to build good relationships with our clients and we get to see those gardens evolve and become something different. Um, I think people have also looked at the new approach of being quite hands-on. So they want to do a lot of the work themselves. Mm. They're not always that keen on just getting someone in to do the whole project for them. Um, so I think that's very exciting because once people own that bit of garden that they've planted, um, they're more excited about it. And long term, they see the benefits of it. You know, taking ownership of it and actually saying, oh, I'm actually, I did that instead of, saying, oh, I just paid somebody else to do it. Exactly. I suppose maybe it's also a bit of one-upmanship. Look what I managed to do. It is in a sense. Look, I'm, I mean, I think those people fall into several categories. But one of the main categories I think a lot of people that I've come across fall into is, is trying to save money. Mm. So they're well, trying everybody's to trying to save money, Michael. Exactly. So it's, uh, I mean, it's a huge thing. And then, and they say, you know, I'm trying to save money by doing this myself. And quite honestly, there are certain things you shouldn't try and go to loan on. Mm. Mm. You know, and 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 you know, maybe you need us here. So I, I agree with the whole partnership thing. I think it's becoming like that. I think it's becoming more of a partnership. But just be careful of getting to the stage where you think, well, I'll go it alone and, you know, later on, well, I'll phone you when there's damage, mm. which we also find, you know, having to go in and say, well, you know, okay, I kind of have to fix it now, um, which is where we don't want to go. So I think the partnership thing, the thing is let's hold hands and walk along this journey together is much more important than… Michael's going to take you for a little gander down the garden path. <laughs> can, I mean, picture the awful scene. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I definitely I agree with that. I think that's, that is where people are going. We do talk a lot closer to our people. And, you know, we've been, we've been saying for a long time people are more informed. Mm. And people are definitely more informed. And it's not just a social media thing. You know, it's, there's a whole different awareness. And I think there's a lot of evangelists out there who don't just sell stuff to people, who actually go out there and give heart and soul to people. Yeah, like and you I and I. Yeah. Like, like we do. And, yeah. I th and I think that's, we, you know, our hearts are very close to that. Um, I don't see myself as somebody who provides a product. I see myself as somebody who builds relationships. Yeah. Well, one of the things I can say to people is that if they want to actually start doing their garden and they are keen to do it themselves, is that there's things like Gardens of the Golden City where they have open gardens, where you can go and check out people's gardens, see what they've done, see what would work in your space. And there's show gardens as well. I mean, we know, obviously, you know, Jackie, you would have done um, the lifestyle show gardens with Mike. Um, Mike did them with me back in the day. <laughs> and, of course, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, the Johannesburg International Flower Show is coming up, and we've just been informed that so far there's, there's 27 designer gardens that are going in. And some international participants. Yes, and international yeah. participants. So, And these are going to be big gardens, not the small gardens that you would see, like, you know, it's kind of six by three meter or something like that, but really big gardens coming in. But going to see all of those or going and just looking online and checking out show gardens from Chelsea, people don't kind of think, oh, what am I going to do? They look at their space and they see somebody else's garden and think, I want to have that garden. And sometimes it's not practicable. So you need to go and look at the gardens that are in your area. 
and say, what would that do in my garden? Would that work in my space? And that's why show gardens become quite a, a, a good thing to look at because you can always take some inspired design tips. I think you and I have had this conversation several times before where we've spoken about, um, you know, we often hear people when we're standing there, it's sort of like as passive receptors of, yeah. of comments. And people are saying, um, well, that's a disgusting garden. or I don't like that and I love that garden. And we're saying it's not about that. It's about what elements do you like? Mm. Um, there, you know, maybe it's a huge garden, and there's just one of those things in that garden that you can take into your. I mean, look at the classical garden we did in Show Gardens this year. It was mm. massive. There were four quarters or quadrants to the garden, and there were so many things you could have taken out there as yep, individual yeah. bits and pieces of that garden and and embroidered them into your own garden. So that's one of the things. The second thing is, you know, it's not just about design as well. It's about getting to know what's in the garden, what grows in your garden, and I think that's very. We talk about the chaos theory. Yes. And the chaos theory is not a bad theory because sometimes you say, well, you, you know, if it's going to grow in my garden on its own, well, welcome. You know, and if it's not going to grow in my garden and it's going to call me endless stress, then, you know, maybe you shouldn't be there. I've, I've got a new, a new way of looking at things. Um, it's a case of, it's like finding a needle in a haystack, okay, knowing what you really want and, you know, what's going to work in your garden, what do you want. Sometimes you just have to get into the haystack and let the needle find you. <laughs> if you bounce around enough, it's sure to. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to freak you in the bum at some stage or the other. I mean, which I think is a, not a bad idea. But to get your the clutter—that's the problem. Is so many people, you know, we still talk about it, people coming in and just buying a smorgasbord or a scrambled egg variety of plants, and you're looking at that and thinking, I hope you're not putting them all in the same area because. Those ones will not work in the same water zone as those ones. And those ones, the colors look Sun awful. And shade and, and, yeah, yeah, so yeah. fortunately, yeah. though, people do come to us and say, look, can you give me some help? What should I plant in this area? What will go well? It's a very shady area. And that's the question we're getting more and more. And I think growers should be taking more heed of that and bringing out plants which work better in shade and will give color. At yeah. the moment, there's coleus. You've got your New Guinea patients. You've got some begonias. You've got... Plectranthus. Clivias, I mean, yeah. Plants, but yeah. on the whole, that's your entire palette. And people are like, I don't want those. I want something else. I want something bright. And we're like, well, you can't have them. Why? Well, yeah. Because they won't grow. And you're just going to yeah. waste your money. So it's getting people, people are becoming a little bit better informed because I think that a lot of people lost the knack of gardening at their mother's or their grandmother's knee. People are prepared to explore, I think, Melanie, and that's why I'm saying, I think, from from our point of view, just not even just in terms of landscaping, but in terms of participating, and as Jackie says, mm. partnering with people. Um, I very often don't have landscape conversations with people. I will design conversations. I have gardening conversations with people. Yeah, I have a client right now who's all he's interested in is having a gardening conversation with me and letting me guide him into it. Well, how do I make my garden look better? He doesn't want to design a garden. Yes. And and that's something that I think landscapers need to come to terms with. We're not simply designers. There's a lot more to it. <laughs> Michael Rickoff in studio with us. You're not purple. It's okay. You're pink. It's the whole pink underwear thing that you're on about, Melanie. Yeah, I, are you still wearing – Christine must be really cross with you. I love pink, I must tell you. And and I, I, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I, if I go into a garden and it's, it's full of pink, white, and blue flowers, it just blows my mind. And it always will. And I don't think I'll ever get sick of that that particular color combination. So pink as a design tool. I've been actually speaking about pink quite a lot because pink seems to have come back onto so many people's radars. Not that it went off most of us. I mean, if you think about last year's Pantone color of the year was that coral color. Yeah. And I, I think that you know, it's one of those colors which at the moment, if you walk around the garden centers, it's that bright, 
bright, bright, bright, bright pink. That's yeah. like the and color of Southeast pink. Asia. Yeah. But yeah. then every now and then you see those little pale pinks. Pink is a design tool. I mean, pink is not actually, it's, a, it's just a lighter red, but it's not. It's actually got its own thing. Pink is its own color as so opposed to a light blue or a, mm. you wouldn't say light red. No, it's pink. Pink is pink. And I think that it, it's true what you say. Pink can be vibrant, mm. but it can be soft. And pink can be in your face and accented, or it could just be a soft backdrop. Mm. Um, there are so many different ways you see pink. And, and I just think, you know, pink is the ability to do both. It's got the ability to be a hot color and a cool color. Yeah. Um, and it goes with soft blues and it goes with light, loud blues and it goes with just about anything else. So. Well, well, interestingly enough, you can actually, as I say, using it as a design tool because a lot of townhouse complexes, for instance, these days, they're kind of putty colored or that kind of mushroom color. And you want to have something that's going to pop against it. Now, obviously, green looks quite good. It's very calming. But people will bring in orange. And I just find that that is actually just too normal. So I'm doing a garden at the moment for somebody who is nearsighted, what doesn't have much vision at all. And I said to her, how do you feel about bright pink? And everywhere I looked, all of a sudden, I was just seeing bright pink any, everywhere. So we are putting in that in against the kind of muddy colors. So she will be able to appreciate it. And we'll have that bright pink coming through at different times of the year. So that is just going to be that focal color show. You're going to have the light pastel colors of agapanthus and some whites popping through here and there. But that is going to be the one thing that she can go, wow, I can see that color. So it is not just a color. It's a design feature. Yeah, it's a statement. I think pink is a statement. And I think it's been around a long time. And I I honestly don't see it going anywhere. Mm. Um, as I say, I, I will always have, I will always have a fondness for pink because I can use it just about anywhere, and I can say so many different things with it. And I love to blend it in with the white. So come here, my chérie. Yeah. <laughs> look at you, who my rose. Think grass, about all those things grasses. one can say with pink. <laughs> but, but 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 I mean, you know, as I say, I, I you know, you, you can imagine a sea of soft blues, soft pinks, and whites. Mm. It's just an amazing garden. You can imagine a sea of whites with some some loud pinks in it. Um, just popping, and they, they will say different things, but but they're equally good design tools. So, what color is better to me than pink? Yeah, and using it that way. But color is becoming a thing. Um, I don't know how many gardens you've been installing for people, and of course the color is still coming through, like into the the garden centers at the moment. But a trend internationally as well is to move away from pastel colors and go for those bold colors of using lime green with purple and blues with silver and red coming through and being like really being bold. But what you've got to remember is that use those colors towards your house rather than farther away from your house. Yeah. Because otherwise it makes the garden feel small. Would you agree with that, Jackie? I definitely agree. And I have a client who's actually so excited about pink at the moment. We've got loads of pink and red roses as a combination coming mm. in together with touches of the pastel purples and whites. And I, I can't wait to see the end result because I think it's going to be absolutely fabulous. And roses, of course, one of the things that have been handling the lack of rain and the dryness. And surprisingly, everybody's like, yeah, but roses are super nicotine. Oh, they're like, tough. They're tough as, yeah. as old boots. I mean, yeah. if you think about they were the one thing that were actually handling the drought down in Cape Town. People, they sold more roses, I think, in one season, that season, than any other time before because it was about the only plant that was still working. But the, a lot of people were saying, all right, fine, we're losing our trees. Thank goodness it's been raining around the country. Have you been having a lot of people coming and saying, please come and give us a consult on whether our tree has got shot hole borer? No, I've had a lot of people asking me about it and I refer them. Um, yeah. Every time, I I don't rate myself as an arborist or expert on that. So mm. I mean, we all know the signs. We can see the signs. 
Um, but I would rather just, you know, this is my advice to anybody. If if you've got that kind of suspicion, don't make the call yourself. Just call the experts in. Yeah, because going all over the country at the moment. So, I mean, there yeah. are arborists. There are some people out there, though, that call themselves arborists. So yeah. insist on seeing their qualifications, honestly. Certainly for arborists, okay, yeah, because, yeah, because they're, they're they few and far to, between as well. Yeah, they need yeah. to actually come and give you a proper thing. And then there, there's some charlatans who are going around charging 8,000 rand to inject your tree with something which is not going to do anything. So I'd just like to once again say that if you suspect that your tree may have shot hole borer, and there are lists up online of what trees don't, um, should I say, are not palatable to this horrible little fornicator, and I can call it that because it's Euacalia fornicatus, mm-hmm. although they've changed the name. And they're also what you should plant instead if you are planting a new garden, which ones to stay away. And unfortunately, I mean, I've had so many people coming in and saying, I want a coral tree, I want a fever tree. And I'm like, okay, if you're going to plant them, I suggest that you plant them using a systemic insecticide and fungicide when you plant it. So that the tree can suck that up first. So at least it's got a fighting chance because those, those trees the um, shot hole borer really like. So it's now about prevention rather than cure because there is no cure. I know that's been all over the place. Oh, we found a cure. It is not a cure. Whatever PANAF has got out, it has been approved, but it's not a cure. It may be able to actually prevent the bugs from getting onto your tree, but it's not going to actually fix your tree. If the tree is done, it's done. It can't reverse it, yeah. Yeah, you can't reverse it. But there's another thing which I will let you know about sometime in the not-too-distant future. Some people who have been putting their prodigious brain talent to work and come up with something, and they've been doing trials. I'm not allowed to say anything more about it, but there is some hope for the future. Once again, it will not be a cure. It will be a prophylaxis. So what trees have you found your people when you were designing what trees are you suggesting to people that they put in? So, you know, the good ones for small gardens. It's difficult because I always try to look at the, the space individually. Um, how much space do they have? What is the effect that they want to achieve long term? Um, and then my first choice is always indigenous. Mm. But as you mentioned, a lot of the indigenous trees are actually on the preferred list for this little bug. Um, so I think it's it's really difficult to, to say only suggest this tree or only suggest that tree. I mm. think one thing we really need to be careful about is the growers that we get our trees from to use reputable suppliers um, and to make sure that everyone is conscious of playing their role in in prohibiting the spread of this bug as much as possible. Yeah, don't move firewood around the place. Mm. I mean, we're still throwing lavender tree around. As a, as a good tree for small gardens. But, you know, um, uh, even, uh, you know, I was reading one of the articles the mm. other day, the latest articles about, wow, you know, it's, it's, it's Arbor Week. Mm. You know, so everybody's saying, wow, these are the trees to plant. And I think in a lot of cases, we're not necessarily paying attention to um, the advice we're giving um, or the counter advice we should be giving and saying, last year this time or two years ago this time, I would have told you to plant that tree. Mm. Maybe now I wouldn't. Mm. <laughs> you know, so I think it's a case of being as I say, very cautious about what you're selecting. But um, it's like with everything, Melanie. You know, people say the same thing to me, but say irrigation or whatever the case may be. And I say, talk to somebody who does that as a specialist, as their core competency. Because I find so often that we we find the part-timers. And you're right. I mean, you use the word charlatans. There are so many people that will see this as an opportunity to jump on the band. Oh, they they have already profits. for the last couple yeah. of years when they, yeah. when they first started seeing the Asa Nagundas going down. I mean, a, a friend of mine, they came in and said, oh, we'll come in and do this 8,000 rand and we'll just inject. And I said, I looked at this tree and then I got hold of um, a very good friend of mine who's a, 
proper arborist, and he came in and he said, no, no saving this tree. 2,000 rand, take it out, and then burn the wood. The problem is, of course, that we still don't have anywhere to take infected wood to. So you're going to need to actually make a plan where you shred it on site, put it into bags and solarize it. Otherwise, you're going to have to burn it in your fireplace and make sure that you've kept it in bags so that this little bug can't get out. They were, I mean, they were, throwing a, they were throwing information around. I don't know how bogus it was about a site that they've created. They haven't. City yeah. parks have still not come up with a site well, where you can take the wood to. Sad. So, I mean, are it we is still, what it is, Michael, still, and we're, we're the ones who get proactive then. Well, we're still, you know, this is this is the point we were trying to make controversially not so long ago. Mm. Is that um, is is uh, are the authorities seeing this as a crisis, or are the authorities seeing this as something that might just go away if they ignore it? I think they're know? hoping it might go away if they ignore it. Unfortunately, I don't see it just going away on its own. There are also some silly people who come in and say, "Let's bring in the bug that's a natural predator for this thing over in Vietnam," and we're like, "Well, we don't know what that's going to do to the rest of our ecosystem." Um, city parks at this stage are sitting and going, well, just look at the plane trees. They're all coming back. They've all got their leaves back. Maybe the plane trees are fighting back. Maybe they have worked out a way to kind of, I don't think that they've actually managed to cure themselves, but we're also still in winter at the moment. So we have to be thinking about the fact that this little bug's been dormant. The Fungus has been dormant. I think we're going to see a lot more trees dying down over the spring and going into summer. I think it's one of those things we do have to wait and see how the bug is going to affect things further. Because, I mean, even if they've got these cures or prophylaxis or whatever, you've got to wait until it's the active season. Yeah. I'm not being a doomsayer. Trust me, we're working on something, but it's going to take a while. I think all of us are trying to stay positive on it, and I think you know most of us surge ahead and say, "Well, you know, let's still try and create beautiful spaces, or you know, let's not just yeah. throw our hands up in the air and say, well, goodbye.' You know, plant a tree. Go- goodbye to the Joburg Forest. <laughs> it's Arbor Month. Yeah. It is, and that's something that we should actually be looking at. Plant a tree. On yeah, on the positive side of things, it is Arbor Month. Or Go on to Jufa, the Johannesburg Urban Forest Alliance. And plant stuff. Plant stuff that'll get big. What, what's yes. the best time to plant a tree? Twenty years ago. Second best time is now. Right now. You yeah. Know. yeah. <laughs> okay, so there we are. We're going all over the place today. We're talking about show gardens. We're talking about color. Pink. Because it's that time of the year where your mind We're scrambles excited, yeah. into planting. And, and, you know, everything's just happening so much. And don't you find that during – well, I find it during the day. I'm jumping around all over the bird because my mind is everywhere. Yeah. Oh, you know, plant that plant. That looks good. That, where, where, where. And, and that's okay, what happens. Okay, you need to calm down and hug a tree, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> you get so excited. And I haven't hugged that pot of coppers for years in chalk. Do you remember? Yes, I, I know. Hug, Michael hug always used to hug the tree to calm down. I think you need to go out and do that. It's your happy place, okay? Well, that's what I'm going to say to people as well. That's going to be my my good, my good feel-good story for the day is to get out and go and, and hug a tree. Go and commune with a tree somewhere and realize how incredibly special they are. Jackie, what is one piece of advice you would give to somebody for this time of the year that will make them feel good? Get outside. Enjoy the sun. Enjoy the garden and plant something beautiful. And Michael, have you got something off the wall for us? I, no, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you can't spend enough time in your garden. I think that far too many of us think that, you know, outside is a place that you go every now and then, and I just think you should you know, spend as much time as you can out there. Mm. Outside is just the most magnificent place. It's mm. much better than inside. Yeah, think. you think so? Yeah, spend time outside. Yeah, you think so? Real? It's bigger. You don't feel all hemmed in. And especially you're coming out of winter months where you can sit there in a t-shirt. But don't forget the sunscreen. We've got to, actually, we should put that Baz Luhrmann song on. The sunscreen song. 
It's like about stuff. Some things you will use, some things you will not. <laughs> some things you'll remember, some things you will not. <laughs> that whole thing. But don't forget the sunscreen. That is the most ad- like best advice we will Absolutely. give. I think you need to get up close and personal with plants. Personally, I think that's the way to go. Okay, just not like in the way that Michael does. Okay, no, as the, exactly <laughs> the way Michael does. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there you have it. Um, all the good hints and tips and stuff that you can do to make your your space, your headspace, as well as your garden space, a much better place to be. And of course, we will be back with more, so don't miss out on that. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Michael. It's always Thank lovely you. to always have lovely these gorgeous Thank people you. in studio with me. And uh, what can we say? We'll keep you updated. Don't forget to get along to Mel's Treasures, and you can actually go and check out you know, every now and then I put events up and the Lifestyle Garden Club, of which I am the chair. So, all the events that you might want to know about, you can go to Facebook. Lifestyle Garden Club and have a look. I post them all up there. Take care and above all, stay grounded. Bye-bye. For show notes and more information about this episode, go to solidgoldstudios.co.za forward slash grounded. You've been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.